The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. Welcome back to my chat with Alex Burkett. I hope you enjoyed part one. Now it's time to listen to part two of his story. Enjoy. Alex, I have a quote here from you and it says, Diabetes has taught me that health comes first, but that we need to live life to the fullest. Diabetes shouldn't stop you from accomplishing everything that you want. You may have to adapt to things, but we can still do anything like a person who doesn't have diabetes. Did you always have that sort of mindset or did you have to develop it over time? And if so, what sort of steps did you take to develop that sort of mindset? It didn't come right away for me, Um, especially for me. um, I got it at the age of 10. And so I'm going through middle school and high school where those are the times where you're figuring out what do you want to do with your life and things like that. And I think I really hit that moment with that quote, that Alex guy that you got that quote from. Man, I want to find that guy and learn how he (laughs) made that quote. Um, I know exactly the photo that was used for that photo also. Um, And college was where it was because college is drinking, partying, kind of, I was in a fraternity. And so the biggest thing my family thought was, oh, you're going to be an alcoholic because you're going to be in a fraternity because my dad went through struggles with alcohol and stuff. So they thought it was going to go on me and things like that. And, oh, I'm going to ruin my blood sugars and things like that. Diabetes is going to be out of control. And I knew that my true friends are not going to look at me as a diabetic different than Alex that doesn't have diabetes. I'm still the same person that I'm always am. I just have a device on me. I have to do a couple extra steps before a meal. I have to eat a protein after a workout. Look at at the regular people, the bodybuilders and stuff. They eat protein after a workout. I still have to do it, but we both have different reasons why we're doing that. So I always look at, I'm still going to live my life to the fullest. Yes, I might be extra careful. Oh, I can't have a margarita. I always joke that just give me the tequila and I'm fine Um, when it comes to margaritas. (laughs) I'm a big tequila drinker. Oh, just give me the shots. We're good to go. But <laughs> I'm still enjoying my time with friends. Like when I went to parties, I was still enjoying it. I was still having fun. Yes, I couldn't drink like um, smeared off ices 
people who are probably listening probably know what I'm talking about if you're getting iced or something. Um, But those were so sugary drinks. And I would say I'm um, immune from this game because I can't drink it. But I still was I was like, give me a substitute. We're good to go. And I always joke, give me a Jack and Diet Coke. I can still have fun. Just give me a Diet Coke because I can't drink a regular Coke. So that quote is so key. And I need to get that on like a neon sign or something or one of those like billboards because it's so true. We can do anything we want. If you want to be that athlete, look at all the athletes that are diabetics and look how they're just kicking butt and doing what they love to do. The people that are CEOs of companies, actors, actresses, musicians, you see all these different diabetics in all different industries, and they have that same mentality that diabetes is not going to stop them. But they know that the community behind it is the strongest community. And because we have that mindset, diabetes is a mental mind game. Take any reality show that you love. The mindset is similar to that. You have to be focused on the task at hand, winning that money, getting your A1C down. But then what do you do after it? You keep on going. And that quote is something that I will remember. And I even go on, this sounds sad, but I go on Instagram and I always look at that quote that I wrote because I always have to tell myself that you're Alex, not Alex the diabetic. I love that. And I think you outlined a lot of examples very well in terms of the athletes, the musicians, the CEOs, the actors, all of these people doing amazing things despite living with diabetes. And something you touched on there, Alex, and you said it's kind of like a game show where you're focused on the task at hand and you need to get that money and you need to win and you need to get that A1C or the time and range that you're after. And when you get it or when you hit it, you just have to keep going. And sometimes that's where a lot of people can struggle in terms of trying to even comprehend the the long-term game with diabetes. And one of my clients who I speak with all the time says he struggles with it long-term because it is so long-term. And essentially there's no trophy or there's no award at the end. It's kind of like, your award, your award is just a healthier life, which obviously is an award in itself. But yeah. that's why with him, we focus on short-term goals, like weekly goals to keep him consistent with things and not just obviously focusing on the long game. But yeah. how do you keep yourself so consistent in terms of your management? And how do you keep yourself even on top of, your own mental game, diabetes-wise, when you think of the long-term of it? I love this question. So I always think like for diabetics long-term, it's that personal gratification and satisfaction. Like, are we happy with how we're managing it? How we're reacting to things? To me, if I'm able to adapt and prepare and be there in the moment, I'm happy. That to me is that long-term, but I love the short-term goals because you're so right. Our long-term is we want to be perfect diabetics, but we know we need those short-term goals to eventually get there, but we know we're not going to be 100% perfect. With my mental fitness, I 
I'm a person, and a lot of my friends know this, I stress like crazy on things that sometimes are out of my control and things that I have control, but they're so far in the distance, like, Alex, you shouldn't be worrying about that. And if I'm stressing about things that are not diabetes, it ends up going into the diabetes part. So like if I'm stressing about work, a personal thing, that messes with your mind and then your blood sugar start getting out of whack. You might make a wrong dosage and things like that. So I always try to make sure I'm clear-headed and me- meditation kind of um, uh, relaxation kind of stuff. When it comes to fitness for me, the short-term goals, well, the long-term goal was to lose a certain amount of weight and get at a goal. But then it's the short-term is how am I going to get there? What can I do? Bike a certain amount. Go walk a certain amount of distance every week. Do a certain amount of reps every week on this kind of weight. So it gives me that challenge. And Owen knows about my show called Rise to the Challenge. I'm always looking at different ways I can rise to that challenge. What's that challenge for that week? And how am I going to get there each week? It kind of it makes it a fun game show in a way. I'm a game <laughs> show guy, so I love those challenges and that's what keeps me motivated each week. And I think also having that network. Um if you're listening to this, reach out to me. Reach out to anyone that's a diabetic because we will support each other no matter what. Um, maybe we're both going through a similar journey or a similar challenge and having that accountability with each other helps in a way. And I think when I look at Owen's posts and stuff, it challenges me to, okay, I want to accomplish something this week or I want to try that this week. It's fun. It's nothing like it's harming me. Um, it just keeps me going. And I think over time that helps in the long term for me is having those short term fun goals and i use fun importantly because you don't want them to stress you out on top of everything else is going on in your life you want to feel rewarded if you complete it yeah it's that almost the instant gratification but also the delayed gratification with the different types of man- management that you can have short and long term yep and what I always say, and again, I will continue to say, our long-term health is always, always, always built from our short-term health. It's always built from what am I doing today? What am I doing tomorrow? What am I doing this week? Because essentially, that's the only thing that we can control. We can't, we can't control 10 years' time. But in 10 years' time, that whole 10 years is built from what we have been doing today. Yep. And you made an interesting point there, Alex, when you said, are you happy with your management? And are you happy with how you manage your diabetes? And I found that interesting because what I always say to my clients is, what is it that you actually want? Like, what do you want from your diabetes? What do you expect from yourself for your own diabetes? Because if I say to myself, I want my blood sugar today and next week to be, let's say, 80% time and range and above. Mm -hmm. If I'm making that decision in my head that I want that today or I want that next week, then I'm already more consciously aware of what's required of me to make that happen. I'll be more conscious of my decisions around exercise, my decisions around food, my decisions around sleep, 
water, all of these different things. <laughs> Whereas if I don't set myself those sort of daily or weekly or even monthly targets, I can find myself kind of just coasting along with it. And then you're not as clued into the daily decisions that ultimately make a big difference on your management. Is that something that you do? Yes. And when you ask those questions to your clients, I think that's so important because you want to make sure that they are getting what they want out of it. Because I can't say, how do I want to manage it? Oh, I want someone else to do it for me. No, because they're not living they're not living your lifestyle and stuff. So I always look at, am I happy with how I am doing it? And I always go back when you ask those that question to your clients, I go back to my quote, I want to be able to live my life as a diabetic like I'm not a diabetic, where nothing is stopping me, but I'm still enjoying everything that I want in life. And it's it's crazy. It goes back to that quote. And I think if all of us have that kind of mindset, all of us are going to have to come up with that. What's that one sentence about our management, our diabetes that we want to remember and kind of motivate us? And if you can have that one sentence or that couple sentence always in your mind, somewhere on a sheet, in your phone as a wallpaper, and it reminds you that you go live your life. Go live how you want it. Don't let diabetes stop you. I think we're all going to become successful when it comes to it. It's going to drive us to be, in the words of my fraternity, the greatest version of ourselves. I'm feeling motivated listening to you here, Alex. <laughs> Should I add this to my um, titles like I did for you? Motiv- motivational speaker. speaker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's something that It's been something, and I, it's 16 years. But it's crazy that the last two years, it's finally caught me and I have felt the best that I've ever been. I still have those times where I struggle or I'm like, oh, I'm not feeling it. But I know that I can't let it stop me because there's millions of other diabetics out there that I have to stay fighting for because we all need to support each other. And I know that I want to be the best that I can be. What was your motivation, Alex, to start the podcast? Ooh, good question. Um, so I got furloughed from my job. And back in March of 20, it's crazy. It's March of 2020, this all happened. And I always thought about doing a come. So I was always into that YouTube stuff. I did like a talk show when I was in middle school, probably around the time that I started when I got diagnosed. And I just loved like talking and my friends and I wanted to do like a sports show, but they were all so busy and I knew I needed that personal project for myself. And I thought of the show concept. I was coming up with, I wish I wrote down all the different titles, but they were all so completely not similar, the same that I wish I kept it for like future look backs. And Rise to the Challenge was something because Everyone rises to the challenge. And then that's how I came up with my tagline, real life stories, real motivations to inspire all generations. We want everyone to share their story. Some people are out there publicly about their stories and rising to the challenge. Some people are private and they might not 
want to share it. So we give those opportunities to all different people. And the phoenix is our symbol because everyone rises to the ashes. Anytime you get burnt, defeated, you always rise above the ashes and you have that new mindset, that new life to go and complete your journey. Mine is before 10 years old, I was going through that life, hit diabetes, hit bacterial meningitis, got defeated, but that phoenix rose in me again, and now I'm on that new life. And it's been multiple. So I brought that show. We have almost over 100. I mean, I've taped a lot. So almost 160 episodes in two years. And it's been the best experience. And I always say this. I always try to get people from all different industries that I don't even know about because I learned so much more from listening to it. And if anyone that's listening, go check out Owen's episode because Owen and I had a great conversation. And there's so many diabetic episodes that we have because that's my story also. And I can connect with my guests on that story also. And it's just so rewarding to just spend that time to talk for 30 minutes, an hour, hour and 30 minutes. I don't, if they want to talk for three hours, I'll talk to them for three hours. (laughs) But it's just, I look at it differently than a job because I use it as like a personal branding, personal networking, because I get to meet all these great, amazing people and learn. That's what I love doing, learning. From all the 160 odd episodes now, Alex, that you've done, who, and I want this to be the first one that comes to your head because that will be for a reason, but who has been, in your opinion, the most memorable guest that you've had? Oh, Apart from me, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, man, there's multiple. but the, So I will say when I first did audio, it was Warren Furman. And if anyone knows that name, his um, real name, you might know him from UK Gladiators Ace. Um, He was my idol, one of my idols growing up on the show Gladiators. But if I had to take from like the video part, oh man, there's like three popping in my head that I want to say. Kirk Fogg and Todd Newton and George Gray. I'm going to say those three because they all go with each other. Those three, I when I was growing up, I was most likely to be a game show host. And obviously you can see I'm a, I'm not a game show host, but I'm a I'm a show host in a way. So I still get that kind of drive being a host. But all three of those people were my game show host idols. And I got to interview all three of them. Two of them are from my town that I live in. And one, I connected through LinkedIn. And you just are starstruck when you meet them because you grew up watching them. And now I'm having that face-to-face interaction with them. And it's just like, wow. Like, And I don't have a management team. I don't have a PR person. I do all the editing, all the scheduling, all that myself. And it shows that... Even if you're that small guy in the pond, you can go find those big names. 
I can only imagine you on the other side of the camera, <laughs> big googly eyed looking at your stars. <laughs> I'm just screaming after I get off the recording, like, is this life real? Am I really here right now? <laughs> Again, similar enough question, Alex, but from the 160 odd guests and episodes that you've you've done, out of all of the challenges that you've heard people speak about, what do you feel has been the most difficult one and how did that person deal with it Ooh. so there's a few challenges and i always say that we all have stories and we may not go by similar but it's kind of like how did we react to it and things like that are kind of similar but not completely because i'm going to name a challenge that it doesn't deal with anything I've gone through, but I've had um, cult victims and uh, abuse victims, trauma victims, and things like that. And them sharing their story and being vulnerable and speaking about it is so much power to them because they could, they don't have to do that. They chose to come on my platform and be willing to share that. And I want to give them that platform and I want to give them the respect because my goal is not to grill them on these items. I always want to share to my listeners, if you're going through something similar, here's a person that you can always reach out to that they've gone through something similar and that you can connect and network and learn and maybe utilize something that maybe can help you in your life. And that's my main mission with the show is I want to take those um, challenges and give them a platform to share and maybe help someone. If I'm helping one person that's listening, I think that's great. If I'm helping hundreds of people, going through that, that's awesome too. But I want to be able to show a community, show a united front and be able to just share and help people learn more. From the people there that you outlined that kind of stood out to you when I first asked you, Alex, in terms of going through a traumatic time or even abuse at some stage, Mm -hmm. how did they personally, now you don't have to go into great detail, but just going along with the theme of kind of overcoming certain or various challenges, how would they have gotten over those challenges? I think a lot of them, they kind of have to not feel regret. I think sometimes they feel that they did something wrong and that's not the case at all. Sometimes when you're in the moment and again, For anyone that's listening, I can't relate to these experiences. It's only going off of what I've listened to them. And they have to kind of be vulnerable and talk about it, kind of maybe share it and kind of sometimes what I do is I look at it from a different point of view and kind of not in a grilling way, but kind of like if it went this way or if it kind of if something else happened, what would have happened? And things like that. And they kind of are like, wow, I didn't think about it like that. So it's it's one of those where they kind of just have to look at it again. They maybe needed the few years past it to kind of look back at it in a way, if that makes sense. Mm. 
from all the people that you've spoken about or spoken to, I should say, and again, 160 odd episodes from your experience speaking to all of these people and all of these people who have obviously gone through very different types of challenges. Yep. Is there any standout personality trait that any of these people might have that has helped them overcome any challenge that they've outlined? I think confidence, confidence in themselves. I think if they're able to mentally be strong, they're able to not let anything in the future stop them. They're able to stand a united front and grounded and be like, I'm going to take on this challenge and you're not going to stop me. And I see that in a lot of them um, where, and especially nowadays with social media, and I've had reality stars, TV personnel, a few of them that their stories are so completely different, but the way that their social media presence is, if I was in their shoe, shoes, I don't know how I would react, but I know that I would stand strong like they are because they are out there in the public eye a lot. And so you can't let people that don't know you dictate how you should think about yourself. And I think that's one of the things with social media is you have all these people that want to hate, but I feel that haters are going to hate, but you're going to become stronger because of that. You're not going to let anything stop you from what you want to accomplish. And it kind of goes back to that quote, kind of like how I live that mindset. Like I want to live my life like I'm not a diabetic. Just the diabetes is that kind of moment where it's that challenge for me, but it's not going to stop me from doing what I want to do. What do you feel you have gained or learned, Alex, from speaking to all your podcast guests? Everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. Sometimes they want to share and sometimes they don't. But just because they're not talking about it doesn't mean they're not going through something. And I think if I was, I mean, I could have gone, I mean, I'm not a big social media person where like I'm posting a lot of personal stuff, but I could go, I could have gone a whole time without talking about diabetes on there, but I'm not letting that stop me. And I want to share that story because someone out there might hear my story or see my post and they feel connected to it. And that just starts a a great building in a relationship through networking and connecting on that level. Hmm. If you could have Alex, one person. Oh, I love this question on this, on your, on your podcast, who would it be and why? Oh, if I had a dream person, there's so many different ways I could go with this. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna shoot super high. It's either The Rock or John Cena. <laughs> the only reason is they have stories. And if you follow have if you follow their career like I have, they have stories. And sometimes they haven't shared everything. And not saying I want to dig deep into it, but I want to learn how they handle everything mentally because 
look at like the rock and how he's so busy his he's a family guy a father um a friend to so many people and it's like how does he stay mentally strong i know fitness is a huge thing for him because that keeps him going but even with like john cena or like um matt damon would be another person um all those even jennifer lopez would be fun to interview (laughs) now i'm going to start naming like a whole list of people but (laughs) it's all these people it's all about how have they been able to rise to the challenge because everyone has a story and with them being such in the public eye it's hard to know what's true and what's not true because you have the tabloids and you have the magazine articles and things like that but if it comes straight from them you learn so much more and you kind of learn a different point of view in their journey. I often wonder anytime I see the rock, cause he's like, he's looks like a bodybuilder. He's obviously in the gym all the time. He has yep. tequila companies. He's, he seems <laughs> to be in every single movie that you see. Like there's very few things he doesn't do. And I often think, where does he even find the time to do, to do all of those things? Cause he has young kids and a wife too, as well, doesn't he? Yeah, well, now he is an owner of the XFL, which is a uh, people that are listening to this. They're going to get mad at me for saying it, but a minor league football team in a way. It's kind of like the developmental for him and or for to the NFL. And he he works with his ex-wife on it, on that company like they both own it. And it's like. Okay, you added something huge. You must have like a good management team that's helping you handle everything in your life. But I go, if we are, and I'm going to use him as an example, look at everything he has done. And imagine that with a diabetic where we have all these different things we have to manage, our energy level, our blood sugar, insulin dosage, how we are with ketones and things like that. It's similar to what he's doing with running every single business that he has. And we can do it, not at that scale, because he's doing a lot more. But if we look at his mindset and how he's still able to have fun with his kids, go to the gym, eat like 15 times what I eat in calories, and he's still able to feel relaxed and enjoy we can do the same thing as diabetics Mm. do you feel as if alex you've developed a different outlook on your own sort of challenges with diabetes after speaking to so many people about their challenges i think so i think i've been at first i was not a person that was going to go on podcasts and talk about my journey cuz i've hidden a lot of what's happened and i've revealed revealed a few things here and there to like family and they're like when did this happen i go i just didn't feel like it was the right time to share and i feel that it's now t- the time and i still haven't told exactly but then when i got when I connected with you and you asked about coming on here and I'm like, I know that there's a mission to help and that I can help maybe parents of diabetics because I was a young kid when I got it and my parents went through those challenges. And as a uh, 20, I almost was trying to tell I was older than what I am, 26 year old with my family and living it now, 
I hope that I can help someone, one person, tens tens of people. But I knew that my voice as a diabetic needed to be heard because I'm so open about it now. And I think it took me some time. And it probably took me a year of doing the show that look at all these people being open about their stories. I need to be open about my story because it can help someone out there. Yeah, I think that's the beauty as well of podcasts like yours and maybe even podcasts like mine and all these sort of posts that other diabetics can see because it can be a very isolating condition, you know, yes. to think that oh, I'm the only one that has to manage my blood sugar and take my insulin and do all of these various things that I have to do each day. We can often think that we are the only ones doing those things. But yep. you quite quickly realize that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people out there just doing the exact same thing. There's something, Alex, that you said earlier on. It was close enough to the start of the podcast, but I want to jump back just to get a bit more detail from you about it. You yeah. mentioned almost in passing about like mini strokes. What was that? So I went into sometimes when I have like those um, moments in the middle of the night where um don't know where I'm at and stuff. Um, one time I got treated for having a stroke. I went to the hospital. So that phone call um, I was talking about earlier in the show, um, my boss ended up taking me to the hospital. And um, my mom, I was living an hour and 30 minutes away from my mom. And she got on a car, she got in her car and drove all the way up to where I was. But my boss and coworkers were with me. And they treated me for having a stroke. Um, I didn't have a stroke. Um, the only time that I've had the stroke was when I was diagnosed um, with it. So when half my face was droopy. And I still have effects to, to this date because of that. Um, if you look at any photo of me, um, if I'm smiling or something, you can kind of see Half my smile goes downwards and half of it goes upwards. And sometimes the left of my side is kind of droopy in a little bit. Not a lot that you can notice it, but sometimes I can see it. And sometimes my boss and stuff will say, oh, are you okay? But I go, that's just how my, if I'm resting or like a neutral face, I have that. So a lot of times they go into like, thinking I'm having a stroke any of those times. Um, then when I went to the high school, um, the spring break hospital trips, they did the same thing, checked for that also. Um, so in my mind, sometimes it's like the first thing that I think, oh, did I have one? Um, but I've been grateful that I haven't had one. Um, but it's always one of those like precautious situations like, did this happen and things like that. So it still hits to me since 16 years ago, the whole stroke situation. Um, Cause I've had it with family. My dad went through strokes. So they're worried that could it be something um, in the family, um, but they haven't found anything from that. Is there anything as a result of all of that, that you need to essentially incorporate into your management to avoid that from happening? So 
I always, um, glucose tablets everywhere I am at. So any room that I'm in, there's glucose tablets somewhere. And I say that, but there's not one on my desk right now. So <laughs> I'm a liar now. Yeah. Um, but I take them anywhere I go. Um, just because I rather be safe than sorry at the end of it. So if I'm in a meeting or something, I have the the tablet thing or the canister with me at all times. Um, checking blood sugars when I wake up. Um, what I do with my family is I always text them so that they know I'm awake. Um, that didn't happen this morning, but we talked about that. Um, uh, <laughs> Apologies will... to Alex, Alex's family. Yeah. <laughs> They'll remember this moment because they know that I'm on the show. So they know that I made it. So um, I always text them um, that. And I actually did that with my boss um, a couple of times. And I want to go back to something we talked about where our support system needs to be aware of what's going on. So I always tell my friends, watch any of my episodes with diabetics because you will hear my side of the story, my story within their story. So they're talking about what they go through and I'm going through similar things so that they're aware of things that are going on also. So like if we're going on a vacation and they see me kind of like slowing down I want them to be aware to check on me and things like that. So I always think that if you can educate your system, support system, your group of friends, family, coworkers, it makes a little bit less stress on you that you know that they're there to help you and protect you and be there at all costs. Absolutely. Vitally important. And another thing I want to reiterate what you already emphasized is always have glucose tablets on you do not yes. go anywhere i don't care what you're doing always have glucose tablets on you it's it's so so important because you never know when you might need them when you might be out longer than you expected or whatever it might be so always 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 have glucose tablets on you do you have a flavor that you like like a flavor uh, of glucose tablets the, I've I, I've had a few lemon flavors recently. Oh, I need to find those. Pretty nice. But you know what? Like my fa my favorite hypo treatment, purely down to the fact that they they are so effective, are glucose tablets. Yes. And for me, it's important that I don't enjoy the hypo treatment that I have because if I don't particularly like them, then I'm less inclined to over treat a hypo. And I, th I think that's very important. I so, used to I used to do Jolly Ranchers. Oh, and bad, bad idea. Well, that was the 10-year-old in me. So we go back to the rebellious <laughs> stage. Yeah. But that used to be my thing was Jolly Ranchers because I hated the chalky taste of glucose tablets. And I didn't start liking them until I was in college. And I, I mean, one, if you've ever had Jolly Ranchers in your pocket, they melt they're, and they're they get so good. They're so good. <laughs> see that's what i mean by a bad idea alex because for me what i mean is if i had jolly ranchers as a hypo treatment i would just eat way more than i need to get my blood sugar back up and then I'd that's just have so true a massive you, high you can't just eat like lick it or like cho uh 
chew it for a few seconds and then, oh, I'm going to rewrap it up. No, you're going to eat the whole thing. Exactly. But the glucose tablets, I always say, (laughs) my mom and I joke about this. If they're on sale, we, we stock up. Because oh, big time. We always and I used to not do that, but then if I'm living on my own, I have I have a diabetes like Under Armour bag. I'm not sponsored by Under Armour. I'm just gonna say that. Um the Rock's listening. <laughs> hey, if he wants to sponsor me, let's start that part. <laughs> yeah. Um I have like I used to have like two of the big uh, 60 tablet canisters of glucose tablets because you never know when you're going to need them or things like that. So I always keep a bag of them. And if I'm going on a short trip, if I'm going to a friend's house, those two canisters go with me anywhere I go that is with my diabetes bag. My glucose tablets are with me no matter what. But And I have maybe in my pantry or cabinet probably like five bottles right there <laughs> absolutely essential you, you never know when you when you might need them <laughs> alex i have one more question for you yep. and i think you might know what question is coming but if you had the opportunity to thank your diabetes for something what would that be giving me that quote and making me stick with that mindset through the last two years i think the last two years have been the best years of my diabetes, I don't know if I career, but or journey. Um, <laughs> but it's made me feel so much more confident in myself. Fitness, I used to hate looking at myself. And I look at myself now and I'm like, Alex, you are on that path. And diabetes got well, diabetes told me that this needed to be done. And I I wish it happened earlier. And I go back to what could that 10 year old Alex been like, what could have been said to him to not make it last 16 years to finally get to that moment that he is now. But I would thank it because it has shaped me to who I am today. The skills, the, um, the lifestyle, it's still fun and rewarding, but there's a few tweaks and changes that I make. But I'm still the same Alex Burkett that everyone knows to this date. I love it. And I have to ask one more question just based on something that you said with your answer, because I feel it's important. And you said, what could have been said to you as a 10-year-old Alex for it not to be 16 years until you kind of really really look after things what do you think someone could have said to you as a 10 year old for you to really get that grasp on it earlier i i go back to when we were talking about that time and the doctors the nurses were stressing me out and my family out and i think they kind of just throw it at you and um and i think they I think the education needs to change because I go back to some of the uh, diabetics that have been on my show and their stories on what, what what they went through when they first got diagnosed is so completely different than what I went through. And I think the education needs to be easier because especially at my age at that time, you're a kid. Like you're not thinking about these things. Now you're thinking like an adult. And I think if they kind of, 
I don't know if you can say enjoyable because giving yourself shots so many times. A I, day know is not I know what you mean. I know enjoyable, yeah. but like if the families can do it in a reward system kind of way that kind of motivates that kid to make these changes, like health wise, fitness wise, kind of making sure they're accountable that this is your health, this is your life and things like that. I think that might have helped. And maybe that would have gotten rid of the rebellious side in me. And I would be more like, okay, we have to give you 2020 vision on this. And you got to not have that kind of rebellious side. So I, when you, when I mentioned that, I was like, he's going to ask me that. And I was, I was, I was always <laughs> thinking about before coming on here. I'm like, what could they have said to me? Because I remember we had to do the glucagon in an orange. They would make me take the, I think it was like a sugar cube and the syringe. And then you had to like take the liquid and then you had to put it in an orange and you had to like do it like that. And they're like, that's how you do a glucagon. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I mean, at least it made it interactive in a way. But then I got carb education, like counting carbs and stuff. And I don't know if you've ever seen that Calorie King book. My mom will remember this book. Oh, wait, she's listening. And it tells you like all the, the carbs for all the different food items. And I'm looking at this book. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like I have to like read this book and actually find these carbs and stuff. So that that made it difficult because it's like, oh, let's throw more school at me and things like that. Mm. But I think they just got to make it easier, less stressful, a rewarding kind of way. But that's just my point of view from it. I mean, other people, they could maybe the rewarding part may not work for them. But I think it's you got to make the education as easy and simple as possible, where if it's on a child, it doesn't really like overwhelm them and that they can't still be a child at the same time so if you were to go back to 10 year old alex and speak to him directly based on your experience up to this point and what you've learned and everything you've gone through what exactly would you say to encourage him Ooh, that's a good question well you're going to be a crazy person 16 years later (laughs) um (laughs) Just kidding. Um, I think I would tell the 10-year-old me that don't stress. Focus on what you want. See that? See, I don't I, It's hard to remember how I was as a 10-year-old. Like, um, like take those short-term goals. Like, like, do you still want to play sports? How can we do that? Work with your doctors to kind of make your dreams happen. Don't let this stop you. And I think I should have done that. I think that's something I needed to say to myself as a 10-year-old, that still be who you are because diabetes is not going to stop you from doing the things that you love as a kid. I think that's so important to the parents that are listening to this and even the kids that are listening to this, that go play baseball, go play soccer, go play football, anything you want to do, go do it, enjoy Just know that you have to bring three canisters of glucose tablets with you. Make sure your coaches know. Make sure your teachers know and things like that. But just enjoy. Don't let it overwhelm you because I think that might gotten to me 
as I was growing up. Alex, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's been uh, great to have a proper conversation with you again. I can't believe it's two years since I was on your podcast. So I greatly appreciate your time and thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Where can people find out more about you, Alex, and more about the podcast? You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, um, Alex Burkett23 um, on Instagram and Rise to the Challenge podcasts on Instagram and Facebook. You can listen to the Rise of the Challenge podcast on all major audio platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube, where you can see the full-length episodes in video format. So you might want to go ahead and go watch Owen's episode. It happened in January of 2021, and it was a fun one. Time flies. I'll link all of those things below if you want to check out the podcast. I strongly recommend that you do. And Alex, again, thank you for your time. I appreciate it, and I'll chat to you soon. Thank you. Another massive thank you to Alex for coming onto the podcast. I know that we have kind of been going back and forth through Instagram for about two years now at this stage since I was on his podcast. So it was great to connect and hear his story in more detail this time around. And what I appreciated throughout that episode with Alex was he was very honest about a lot of the years he was living with his diabetes. And particularly those first few years. And he said he was rebellious. He was almost neglecting it to a certain extent, and he wasn't giving his diabetes the attention that it deserved. And what was great to hear Alex talk about was almost like just that instant switch from almost being rebellious to doing what he needed to do to really get a solid grasp on it. And a quote that I heard recently was, with every breath you take, you have the opportunity to start again. And that really kind of was sinking in with me listening to Alex, because you might be somebody who is 30 years diagnosed, 20 years diagnosed, 15 years diagnosed, however long. And you might think that I've had it for too long. I can't make a change. But Alex perfectly emphasizes how almost like longer than a decade Almost overnight, he started exercising more and more consistently. He cut out certain foods, not that you have to, but he knew that it would make a massive change. And he was paying more attention to all the things that make a difference to our management. So don't ever think that you can't make a change that you want to make for your diabetes. And it doesn't even have to be a long period of time. It could be a week or two weeks or three weeks or a couple of months that you feel, oh, God, things really aren't going to plan and you might be struggling. But there's always an opportunity to reset and go again. And I love that quote. Every breath you take is an opportunity to start again. And much like most, most things in my life, I will always relate that back to diabetes management. So keep that in mind. Definitely check out Alex's podcast. He has some amazing guests. He's an unbelievable interviewer. And you will get a lot from it. Again, the challenges and the guests that he hears from don't always have to be specifically related to diabetes. But like Alex said himself, when you hear about other people doing things or dealing with certain things, it almost gives you a greater ability to do those things too. So check out his podcast, check out his social, get in touch with him if you have any questions. He's a really, really nice guy. Always open for a chat. 
So massive thank you again, Alex. For you, as always, appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate your time. There's a lot of podcasts out there, so it's an honor that you have the earphones in listening to this one. I hope you've got value from it. I hope you can take something away going into your next week. Until then, have a good day. Have a good week. Find your blood sugars. We'll chat to you soon. Take it easy.